Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? You are now listening to Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. Peter. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. And our guest today is Amber Myron. Perfect. Amber is an organization coach, speaker, and tutor. Amber, thank you for spending some time with us today. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here and talk about resilience. I think it's such an important topic. And as a teacher, I just feel like this is something that, you know, in this past year has been so important for so many adults and kids. So I'm really excited to kind of talk about that subject with you. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, um, I'm still in Maryland, and I grew up in Maryland. I w- lived in and attended high school in one of the most uh, diverse cities in the entire country. And so I got to see the beauty of diversity since I was really, really young. And then also the other side to kind of what marginalized groups had to experience. And so that really brought me into my teaching career because I was really interested in, you know, how did we get here? Why is there so much injustice? In what way can I, can I bring something to the table to fight against this injustice? And so I became a social studies teacher uh, for high school students uh, teaching U.S. history, which is just full of injustices mm-hmm. and also beautiful stories of resilience and things like that. So that's kind of what got me started. And then recently I've just kind of been expanding um, who I reach by looking into, you know, who else can I tutor or who else can I talk to about organizational skills and um, just kind of who can I show my empathy towards to help them get where they want to go. Um, because, you know, my, I've had struggles too. And so I think it almost makes you more empathetic when you, when you do go through those types of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't feel like you have to, you have to necessarily struggle, but not that it, not it helps because that sounds so bad, but it's almost a, di- an, a different level of appreciation. Um, for the situation, for whatever it is that you or the person are, they're going through. Um, so it kind of, it's kind of cool. So you're a, a social studies teacher. Yes. Oh, in high school. Absolutely. How is okay. that experience? <laughs> yes. So I am a very cliche teacher in the fact that I think it's the best job in the world. And I like wake up and I love my students way too much and um, all of that. And so what's been really interesting lately is the attack really on teaching real history. Mm-hmm. And that's been tough in other counties. Again, I'm lucky to still be working in a county that's extremely diverse and and actually cares about teaching the truth of what happened in their country. And that's been a passion of mine since I was in high school. So my lessons have always reflected the reality and kids have been thankful for that. You know, they see their own identity reflected in the curriculum. They learn, you know, maybe why is 
this bad situation happening? You know, why is racism or homophobia or sexism continuing? Where did it come from? That kind of thing. But then, you know, as a member of America, I'm, I'm sad to see what happens in some other counties and some other states where they really want to attack social studies teachers, which mm -hmm. I think is so silly, but it makes sense in their grand plan to kind of like, um, you know, erase these topics and pretend they didn't happen. They're going to have to go to the people who know that they happened, right? Yeah. And make them stop teaching it. Um, and so I feel very lucky to be in a place where it's continually taught, but I definitely feel like scared for students who are in other places and who are going to get a whitewashed history or an inaccurate, completely inaccurate history of um, our country. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget like the moment I realized like the truth behind Christopher Columbus. Um, oh. That's one of the things that it never like growing up and, and what, what I was taught was that he was like this great person who came and discovered America and, you know, later only to realize that that was not the case. Um, it's kind of like we are trying to immoralize and glorify these really, really unworthy individuals absolutely i was very very careful about how i worded that no you're absolutely correct i mean i believe in my classroom when there are individuals that i i don't want to glorify any individual in my classroom to be honest in my opinion it's kind of like let's look at their actions and mm -hmm. then you decide um but let's look at all of their actions and let's look at the truth of their actions and that's really exciting to me because then kids aren't like you know the media wants to say social studies teachers are like brainwashing the kids with correct information. Anyway, when <laughs> I'm in my classroom, kids say like, no, you let us come to our own conclusion. Like you give us all the information about a person or a situation and then you let us decide how do we feel. And I love when the kids share their opinions. And, you know, when you give them the real facts, they come to the right conclusions of this was a genocide and this was a, you know, huge problem. And, you know, this person has been glorified for a long time, but honestly, they don't deserve that glorification. Actually, here's the truth behind them. Mm -hmm. And so I find that really exciting to get to see in my students because again, it's not me kind of teaching it to them, it's them putting it together on their own. And then they get to be the people who teach that to other people in the future, right? Maybe someone older than them is gonna say, oh no, Christopher Columbus was the guy, he was so cool, you know? And they get to be the one who kind of says like, well, here's some more information I've learned about him that might, you know, change your mind. And so it's really exciting to think like, okay, these young people get to go out and they might actually get to change other people's mind too. And so like seeing the way that that can reach out. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, here's some new information that might change your mind. Um, because I think as a society, we are, um, like dead set on what we know and there's no space and room for growth or new information. Um, what is your take on that? Absolutely. I think there are 
uh, so many people who it's very hard for them to change their mind. I find that young people, um, it's not as hard um, because they are more open. But at the same time, you know, I have family members who believe lies they read on Facebook and things like that. And I've actually talked to them. And what I've realized is like, I have to be humble among them, right? Like if I come at them full force anger, like anger is justified in so many different ways in America right now. But I know that if I want to change someone's mind, I have to come from it from a place of let me listen to what you think and then let me present information and say, you know, it's not your fault that you misunderstood this topic, or it's not your fault that you um, watched this uh, news show and got incorrect information, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want them so much to not hold on to their bad beliefs just because of their ego, right? And I think that almost always is part of it, is if they reject what they've been taught growing up, or if they reject what they know now to be their truth, um, then they feel like, oh, well, then I'm stupid and I don't want to be stupid. And so I really try to just come at it very gently of saying, you know, well, I'm an educator. I studied U.S. history. I study, you know, racism. And um, I, I know a bit more about this. And if you're interested, I'd love to tell you a bit more about this. And so I think just coming at them humbly you know, I did that with my aunt once and she said she really appreciated it. And I was like, I have no idea if I've changed her mind on anything, but like, this is the, this is all I can do. I mean, I can obviously do more in um, like protests and things like that, but I'm saying like in a one-to-one -one conversation, I especially think as oh, like a white ally, like I, that's kind of my job is that I need to be out there trying to get people to understand the truth of the injustices that so many Americans are facing. And so I think that my method can be hard for some people, right? Because they are so angry and they're so upset. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm just, I've learned how to like put the anger in the back of my mind so that I can try to achieve what I want. That's, um, that's a skill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, that's a skill. And I'm sure, that, have you always been like that? Is that something that you had like to practice? I actually feel like I've been like that for a while because I think I practice so much with students. With students, mm. I don't feel, I never feel angry at them for their opinions or anything like that. And I just have so much empathy towards them. And I've never had like anger really in the classroom. I've always mm. been like, you know what? They're not going to learn from me getting upset. They're only going to learn from me being calm and they're only going to respect my respect me if I'm calm, right? Because the stereotype is like, if a woman, you know, women are emotional and this and that. And so yeah. if we express our anger, I know there's uh, other stereotypes as well, like in other marginalized groups of like, if you express your upset or your anger, then you're just crazy. And like, you're not thinking straight or whatever. And I think it's completely valid to be upset and to share your emotions and, you know, be angry. I just, figured out for myself, I was like, what can I do to make a difference? I think I have the ability to be calm in these situations because I'm surrounded by 125 crazy high school kids every day. So I'm used to life throwing anything at me. And so it was, and I was just so passionate about teaching other people. And I was kind of used to it too, because 
you know, as a white person, when I would go to like for college, for example, it was much more white than where I grew up. And people would say things to me that were racist, but they thought I would be like on their team. Ah, and so I learned. Talk about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I remember my high school was 10% white. And so I was able to learn so much from other people that pretty much everyone who left my high school is like a social justice advocate. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely wild. It's, It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But so I go to college and I'm like, oh, wait, now it's like so many white people and um, they didn't come from my high school. They come from different backgrounds. And so I remember like someone saying something to me about like um, people of color in their school. I don't even remember what they were saying, something just inappropriate. And I was like, no. I don't agree with that at all. And I think that's really where I found out, like, you know, I can sit and be silent and basically perpetuate the problems, mm-hmm. or I can absolutely just say calmly, no, um, I don't think that's right. And let me explain to you why it's not right. And so I've been having to do that for so long, I think, with my own family members, with people in college. Um, and now, I mean, I think it really is impossible to change people's minds, certain people's minds. But I just, I have to have hope that I, that some people's minds can be changed. I have Mm -hmm. to have that hope so that I can like continue going every day. And I also think it is my responsibility too, to, um, to teach those things, um, to others, you know, or I'm just part of the problem. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm glad this, this whole conversation is, is full of spice. I love it. (laughs) Um, I'm glad you brought up like being in the, um, being surrounded by like your white, your white counterparts and Mm -hmm. them saying something that definitely did not sit right with you was inappropriate and you addressed it. Um, how uncomfortable was that addressing it to, to them? To them, right. Cause I was going to say, it's crazy for me. It's not uncomfortable because Basically, I spent, you know, years um, hearing stories of racism, Mm -hmm. seeing racism firsthand, and like learning how to be a better ally from all of my friends. And so for me, I was like, I'm not uncomfortable, but you're right. The other person is kind of like, they definitely take a step Mm -hmm. back. They're like, wait, this white person isn't racist too? Hold on. Now I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... To me, I was kind of like, well, I want to try to keep this relationship if I can, so I can educate this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, every time they say something, I'm going to call them out on it. And it's not me trying to, you know, shame them or this and that. It's just me trying to really teach them and say like, you know, you're like 18, 19 years old and you have this belief because you were taught that belief, but you don't have to hold on to that belief, right? You can throw that belief away and you know, move forward. And so with this particular, um, you know, like roommate in college, I'm not exactly sure how much progress was made, but I think um, hopefully maybe her feeling uncomfortable is an impetus to learn Mm -hmm. and to grow and to change. You know, if you can, if you can feel uncomfortable and then use that in a humble way to move forward, that's way better than 
you know, what happens with, I think a lot of people, which is, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, you go go on the defensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is 110%. um, And so it's so, so very important to get comfortable with being uncomfortable um, because that's where, that's the sweet spot where a lot of growth um, happens. And without that, with if you don't feel uncomfortable, I feel like personally, your your mind isn't open. You're not expanding, or at least, or at least those wheels those wheels aren't turning. There's no oil in there. Like it's nothing. If you don't feel uncomfortable, I feel like if you feel a certain way or some type of way, that means that something something's resonating, something's clicking, and maybe you're not at a spot where you can acknowledge it or you feel like you can. So you, of course you get defensive, but the fact that you feel some type of way, you know, I got, got you there. I'm hoping, like you said, I'm hoping that there's uh, progress that can be made there. Absolutely. And I mean, it's better than them not getting uncomfortable. Like you said, it's better than them living around only other people who believe they're Um, problematic beliefs, right? And just having that fed over and over again. And then also being able to say like, well, you're my friend, right? Like you trust me, don't you? Okay, well then maybe you can listen to what I have to say. And so I think like building relationships, you know, with my students or with other people, adults that I'm talking to and like making them know, like, I care about you as a person. I'm not trying to get you, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help you change your mind. And I kind of do an exercise like this with um, my uh, students because I'll ask them a question and then have them share their opinion, but I won't give them any information first. So it's all based on what they already know. So maybe it's like, you know, do you think um, this historical event was good or bad? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I give them all the information. And at the end I say, did you change your mind? You didn't have to change your mind, but were you open to changing your mind about your opinion based on new information being presented? Because if you weren't open to that, then you probably didn't write a great paragraph anyway, because you didn't use data and stuff like that. But to me, I just keep trying to be like, the open-mindedness is what's important. Like if you leave this classroom and you don't remember every aspect of history, which obviously you will not remember because (laughs) our school system is crazy and you have seven classes a day. But if you can say, you know what? I, I have to learn how to trust only reliable sources and I have to learn that I can have a belief and I can change that belief given new information. And I can be um, humble about that, right? And say like, you know what? I used to think this and that was terrible, but I don't think that way anymore. And I'm thankful to other people who educated me and blah, blah, blah. Because I mean, I think all of us at some point do something wrong anyway and then we learn Mm -hmm. from it and we apologize and so it's just me holding on to that hope that some people with these you know really limiting beliefs and the beliefs that lead to laws that are unjust etc you know can can put that ego aside yeah ego um can definitely get in the way of progress um, because it's your ego is comforting you know, mm-hmm. and like we said, stepping outside of that comfort zone, it's unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think for a lot of people, it's so, it's easier to go, go, not go against the grain. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, it's it's easier. So, okay, social studies teacher, um, organization coach, like, so I love organization. Mm-hmm. Do you are you are you meaning like literal? organization like compartment 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 or like like an organization as in like a group of people I mean organization as in like how do you organize your day or your week how do you organize your assignments your work assignments or your school assignments how do you organize your papers right because as a teacher it's like a kid might shove a paper to the bottom of their backpack and that's their organization Mm -hmm. and um for adults, I think it's, you know, what is your version of that? What is your version of kind of not being organized? And it's much deeper than just saying, okay, you know, all of us have some organizational issues or we can't be on top of everything. It's about kind of like, well, what keeps you from doing certain things, right? Mm -hmm. What makes you put off certain things or what makes you procrastinate? Why do you think you do those things? Is there something that you don't like to do? You know, how can we reframe that and make it easier. Or maybe it's you're extremely overwhelmed by an assignment or a task at work and you look at it and you're like, this can't be done, right? Maybe you're a perfectionist who feels like I'm not going to be able to do this perfectly, so I don't want to do it at all. And so that anxiety kind of contributes. And so I love getting to the root of kind of like, well, where's your organizational issues? Like, you know, what are you feeling like you're not accomplishing or what do you feel like you don't have time in your day for? Um, But coming, you know, to it through my own empathy of saying like, we all have things that are limiting us. Like for me, I definitely dealt with perfectionism and it didn't mean I was perfect, right? It meant I was aiming for for perfection and that when I didn't reach it, I would feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. And so with other, you know, clients, it's so exciting to just be kind of like, well, where do you think this comes from? And then there's so many tools like, okay, well, if it's, if you're procrastinating because you're overwhelmed, then let's break down this task, you know? And I do Mm -hmm. a funny example of like, how would you break down making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Like, okay, first you got to get the bread. Okay. Then you got to put this. And I said, well, when you break it down into a list of things to do, you know, you don't have to do well, if you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you better make the whole thing at one time. But if you're writing an essay or um, you are, you know, writing up a proposal or something like that, then the, you don't have to do this in one day, right? There's so many people who are like, I work well under stress. I'll do it the night before. And I'm just kind of like, no, let's break it down. You know, you can do this part of the assignment today. And then hopefully that stress and that overwhelm actually goes down for you because Mm -hmm. I found that that's, that's a big issue for most people. And that's something, um, you know, that a lot of people, um, adults and students uh, suffer from is just this feeling of overwhelm when they get a big assignment, right? If it's something that is kind of not clear how to break it down, I love getting to sit there and say like, let's break it down. And then also, Let's make sure that you have time in your day where you're not working. Mm-hmm. How important is that? That is 100% the most important thing, right? I mean, if you are not taking care of yourself, then it's nothing's worth it, mm-hmm. right? Nothing's worth it. And I've seen that, you know, I've gone through mental health um, problems myself and, you know, I would say like, oh, well, 
I don't have time to, you know, go to therapy or something like, oh, I don't have money to go to therapy. And then, which is a reality for a lot of people as well. In my case, I feel like I did have enough, but regardless, Mm -hmm. I was realizing, okay, so I'm putting work above my mental health. Like Mm -hmm. that is crazy. And also I really think I'm going to perform my best when I'm stressed beyond belief and I have other things in my life that are distracting me. And so, you know, when I give them a daily calendar or a weekly calendar or have them map out their month, whatever works for them, I'm like, you need to actually place in it what is going to bring you happiness and Mm. what is going to recharge you. And that's different for everyone, you know, and I think that's, what's really exciting is I can share my thoughts on, you know, this is what recharges me, right? I do not meditate, but if that's something you want to do to recharge you, put that in the calendar, place Mm -hmm. that somewhere. If you're more the type of person who you just need to call a friend and that's your connection and that's, what's going to help you with your day. That's kind of more where I am, right? I would want to call a friend or call my sister and just like talk on the phone and that's recharging for me. And I think sometimes people feel ashamed of having to take breaks as they think of it, but you're not really taking a break. You're recharging yourself and you're taking care of yourself and work is doing good work is part of taking care of your life, but it's only one part of taking care of your life. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I love getting to hear kind of what they view as, you know, this is something that brings me joy. And so I often have them write out, you know, a couple different categories, like what's something you could watch that would just bring you joy. Mm -hmm. Right. For me, it's like music videos, right. I can watch a music video and I will, um, I'm good. Like I'm so at peace, you know? Um, and for other people, they're like, Oh, well, I love scary movies. And I'm like, that's not me, but I'm glad that's for you. (laughs) I'm scared to death of scary movies. I'm a wimp, but if that's you, write it down, you know? And then you come back to this because sometimes I think you're so overwhelmed. You don't even know what brings you joy. Because we're, Hey, Hey, Hey y'all listen, it is time for some action. If you are enjoying the content that you've been listening to, I need you to rate and review. That's it. That's all. Make sure you go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review it for us. We appreciate you so much. Let's get back to some resilience. Lost in the sauce, especially, especially, um, I mean, growing up and in my, like my early 20s, early, early to mid 20s, um, that workaholic was like the thing, like work, I don't, I could sleep when I died. Like I just got to work, 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 work. And it's, it's not until, it wasn't until the past, I'd say maybe the past like five years that that conversation is really shifting and hey, yes, work is important. You need to be able to provide for yourself and you know, make sure you have food and the basic necessities. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't show up for anyone. Like, and I fully believe that, like even parents who are like, well, my kids, my kids, my kids. And I'm like, if you're not taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. you cannot show up fully because what's going to happen is, you know, well, well, not what's going to happen, but what could happen is, you know, something happens at school or there's um, 
something happens and now your temper is so short and now you blow up, you know, and all because you're stressed because you're not taking care of yourself. Um, I have a thing, it's called audit your orbit. It's like one of the methods in my value method. And the most important piece in that whole orbit is you and you're right in the middle. You know, you gotta take care of you 110%. Um, Cause if you don't, you'll, you'll spiral. I've been there, you know? I think that's such a great message because I've been there too. And it's not like I've always been like, oh, self-care is great. You're totally right. Exactly. It's more of a recent thing. And I'm just so thankful that it's coming to be because I think society taught me and a lot of my friends, um, you know, exactly like you said, you can sleep when you're dead, work, 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 you know, mm -hmm. do everything you possibly can to achieve and uh, get status and get money and this and that. Not that I really went that route because I was, I'm a teacher, but still I was like, I want to be the best teacher and mm -hmm. I need to be, you know, I need to work um, overtime. And my first year teaching, I would work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., what, when would I be taking care of myself? So of course I was like going a bit um, unhinged. Mm -hmm. A bit unhinged. I'm trying to think of the right <laughs> word for that. But I, you know, it, back then I feel like self-care wasn't really talked about. This was like five mm -hmm. years ago. And so I really just thought like, well, no, this is your job as a human being is to work really, really hard. And then, you know, only within the past year, really, um, I've been able to say, wait, if I don't take care of my physical health too, I'm going to be a complete mess and I, I won't have a job mm -hmm. and I won't get to do the things I want in my life. And so I have to like practice what I preach and on my calendars, I'm writing in, you know, go to the pool for an hour or, you know, go to um, this Italian ice place that you love and go get like a fancy dessert or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, those are the things for me, but, um, it's really, you know, exciting to see so many other people opening up to that idea because it just reinforces it for me. It helps me remember again and again, this is more important. This is more important. Take care of yourself and then you can help all the people you want to help. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. I I believe, and I will stand by this until my last breath, and even past that. There needs to be a certain amount of mental health days that one can take. If you're working, um, not even if, like you're working, you're at work, you work for an employer, employer, whatever that is, you should get one or two mental health days. Now, granted. You might need more, you might need less, whatever the case may be. But the fact that it is still kind of frowned upon for someone to call out um, because they're not feeling good up here. Yeah. That's why, that's that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to um, those situations where you are feeling a little unhinged, you know, because you, you don't have that, we don't have that support from our employers, from our you know, people who we're, you know, we are working and bringing in money and, you know, revenue for you. And you don't care that I am not feeling too happy right now with myself. Right. It's crazy to think employers wouldn't understand um, that we're human beings and that all of us 
are going to have mental health issues at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, it'll be different for each person, but you know, even at my job, um, when I last year I got diagnosed with um, POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and so I was really dizzy. I was really lightheaded. And actually I didn't have the diagnosis until three months into being bedridden. Wow. So I didn't know what was going on with me. So I'm just in bed, not able to do anything. And of course my mental health went down the drain Mm -hmm. and I did not feel comfortable telling my, the people at my job, like I'm sick, but I'm also like, my mental health is really terrible right now because I'm going through this big life change of you know, having this new illness and this, um, I don't feel that there's enough support in the workplace of saying like, it's okay to share these things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to share everything you would share with your therapist or something like that. But I think it should be something where you feel comfortable saying like, as a human being, I like, I'm also feeling this way, particularly right now, I'm having a tough time, whatever. Like, and so, you know, I'm, you know, it's going to be harder for me to reply to your emails. And it's going to be hard. I was on leave anyway, but there was someone at my job who actually said, if she's sick, why doesn't she just quit the job? And those people, there's a special place in hell for them. (laughs) I was livid. Oh, sorry. I was bedridden when I heard that, and I just remember being like getting a little energy, being like, "Oh, (laughs) that anger just gave me a little energy." Because I was like, "They have no idea that I'm at the worst place in my life right now." Mm. Like, I didn't know what the sickness was. I thought I would never get better. I looked online once I did get diagnosed, and it said 25% of people with POTS um, are unable to work, Mm -hmm. and I am a very nerdy teacher who wanted to go back to work immediately. You know, I loved my job. And so the thought of not being able to work scared me more than I can even say. And so like just knowing, you know, there were were people at my work who were absolutely supportive, Mm -hmm. 100%. It was, you know, it's just sometimes when you hear that one comment, you're like, wait a minute. And so I think that is why it's important that the days get, called mental health days because I think it'll lessen the stigma because mm-hmm. at my high school in my county for example students have pushed for this it's a beautiful thing they want specific days that we can, can can be called mental health days and some of the older people in the county will just be like well just use your sick leave you know use your sick days as a student and I think they're saying like well no this is different yeah know? like if I'm sick I'm I, I, I'm like I have the flu or something like that like this is we can't group these two together because they're not one and the same mm-hmm. and the longer we do that the more the less progress we're going to make right. yeah I absolutely agree with that wow so how what is that what, what was that process like first of first off let's go back to the I'm not even going to butcher it. Pods. It's P O T S. Yeah, Pots. it's okay. Pots. Gotcha. Pots. What? How did? Where did? How did that happen? Where did that come from? So I was walking one day, and um, I was walking with my mom, and 
I just was like, oh my gosh, my heart is beating so, so fast. Like what is going on? And I'm like, oh, I must have a virus, right? Or whatever. And then I was like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And um, I felt I had brain fog, like my brain wasn't working properly. Mm -hmm. And now I realize, you know, these are all symptoms of POTS. But basically from then on, I was like laying in bed because every time I got out of bed, I felt like I was going to pass out. Mm. And it makes complete sense that I have POTS because I also have a chronic illness um, called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is... For me, mostly just causes like pain in my shoulder, right? So that wasn't like limiting my life. But then when POTS, normally you have both. If you have Ehlers-Danlos, you have POTS, which I didn't really think about until I got that diagnosis. And so then once I realized that this is what I have, I was like, I have to change so many things about my life now. You know, I have to grieve the life that I thought I could have had. Mm-hmm. And I need to accept my new life and take steps to make my new life what I want it to be. Yeah. And so for that, luckily, like POTS isn't going to kill me, but it's like, you need to drink a ton of water. You need to increase your salt by a lot. You need to be drinking sports drinks all day long. You know, if you feel faint, you need to lie down. Um, And for me, it just decreased my energy so much. And as a teacher, I'd be in the school and by seventh period, I'd be like, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm going to sit at my desk. And Mm -hmm. if you have questions, you can come to me because normally for all my classes, I walk around the room and work with groups of students on what they're doing. Right. It's very interactive. And um, so seventh period, I'd be like, okay, this group come to me now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't I'd be like I'm too faint or it might mean that I, I have to eat every like two hours to try to just like keep up my energy etc so it might mean I'm awkwardly eating during announcements like I'm eating a sandwich at 9 30 in the morning and the kids <laughs> are like you good Miss Byron and I'm like I'm all good like I'm taking care of myself you know what I mean and I had to learn not to be embarrassed by that you know yeah and especially being an invisible illness which so many people have you know, so many people don't understand, well, you could walk yesterday, why can't you do it today? Or, you you know what I mean? Or you did such a great job on this, like two weeks ago, why, why today are you complaining about Mm -hmm. your sickness? And it's like, well, it's invisible. So you don't know that I actually have been feeling bad for, you know, weeks or whatever. But also, I just think it's so important for people in this community who have these invisible illnesses to get the respect that they deserve from people who maybe don't understand what they're going through. And so yeah. that's kind of something I've been trying to do in my job is just like educate people about like, this is what it looks like for me. And like, I'm okay, but this is what it looks like. This is the reality of the situation. And it was actually really special this year. I had a student with POTS and Aww. she would be like, you're not doing enough to take care of yourself. And I just like, it was so sweet. And she was so um, comfortable with the fact that she had this invisible illness. So she would come into class and she'd have an IV treatment, like just on her. Like she had the whole pole up. She was sitting (laughs) in the front row. Owning it. She's owning it 100%. And I feel like I was like, you know what? I love to teach because it always shows like our future is going to be better like these mm-hmm. young people are good and so it was so exciting to be like wait 
now I can say, you know, I've been there. I understand that. And so it's just like helping me. I mean, she helped me so much just by what she showed me, but then I hope to help her just by being a person who says like, I completely understand what you're going through, you know? And so it's, it's really been nice to just like advocate for the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I, this is the first time I've ever heard, I've heard of that. I've never, you know, I've, I've never heard of that. I, um, the brain fog and the dizziness has been happening, happening to me. Um, but my doctor, I won't say she chalked it up, but she kind of, um, attached it to, um, like low iron anemia. So I've been like taking iron pills and just trying to do what I can to make myself feel better, you know, and I think that's all we can do. At, yeah. And it's also great to have that support system and those people that you can, um, that you can rely or rely on and relate to, um, with them in their, in their journeys and you help them on their journeys and they help you on yours. Yeah. And I hope you find that for, you know, um, you know, whatever you're going through, if it is like anemia or if it is something else, you know, I hope you find other people who are going through that, that make you feel like, okay, you know, everybody's going through something. And I think what's so frustrating about brain fog, especially is if think about how we were five years ago, both of us are like, we're workaholics, you know, we're this, that. And so if I have brain fog, I can't have brain fog. And, you know, for me, I would be mad at myself. Like I caused it. it. But now I'm like, I can't perform at this super, super high level because I have, you know, this illness. And it was really eye-opening. I mean, it took me a while. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But it took me a while until I kind of said, okay, I can't do xyz but i can do so many things that i want to do and i have to like change my mindset around it and i also just have to be like completely open about the situation of like i get brain fog sometimes you know i tell my students that and all they've ever been is understanding Mm -hmm. you know all they've ever been is kind and you know miss myron do you need me to get you a gatorade you know this or that (laughs) right or like i just have to sit down for a second but i'll be back up you know and they're like no worries like And so I think it's so helpful um, when you kind of own your illness too. Yeah. And you can lean into it and, Mm -hmm. and be shocked um, and surprised at the support that they, that you can get and they lean you back up. It's, it's just, it's just a different, it's a different feeling, you know, it's a different level of um, just being okay. Absolutely. So, okay. The acceptance piece that I think about a lot is like, okay, when you get thrown a curveball, you can't necessarily avoid it. Like curve with the curveball. Mm-hmm. Like you have to know that acceptance is going to take you further than resistance is going to take you. Yeah. And so that's what I try to keep in mind every single day. Yeah, every day is not that easy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I really, you and know. I hope everyone knows that too. Is like. you know, I'm over here speaking on how I try to stay positive, but it doesn't mean I'm not having bad days. Absolutely. I think it's a Mm -hmm. journey for everyone. Absolutely. And it's a journey that it's okay to be on. Um, And it's okay to know that you're going to have bad days. Um, You, you might have bad, bad weeks and 
this is the first time that I'm even bringing it up, but this changes every episode, right? So every one, I change it. So it's just so wild that we're talking about what we're talking about. And it says one breath at a time. And I noticed (laughs) when, and I thought, oh, maybe that's like the mantra, you know, of you, but the fact that you said it changes every time. I mean, that's, that's crazy because that really is what we've been talking about. And just the fact that, you know, when you do take it one breath at a time and you accept where you are, then it's so much easier to make it to that next breath. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was beautiful. That was beautifully put. That was, that was good. Um, how can we support you? Where can we find you on social media? Um, and how can we book you for um, helping us get organized? Organized. Ah, organized. No, organized is the new. I'm changing it. My website is going to change. Everything's going to change because I like that way better. Um, it's okay. You should hear the amount of times I say words wrong to students and they're like calling me out. I'm like, I don't know. My brain fog. It's your brain fog. My okay. brain fog. It's your brain fog. Okay. It's That's it. Brain fog. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm on Instagram, um, Myron underscore education and Myron is M-Y-R-E-N. And I also have a website, same name, myroneducation.com. And um, if same name for my email address, myroneducation at gmail.com. And that's really the easiest way to book me because I have a lot of flexibility this summer. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone's looking for um, tutoring for students or kind of coaching for adults, that's the way that they can reach out to me. And I would love meeting new people. So that would be so great. Perfect. 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 Do you have anything, um, anything that you want the listeners to know? I want the listeners to know that perseverance is, doesn't look like a straight line up. That perseverance is taking it day by day and allowing it to go up and down, but knowing that overall you're going to keep going because you want to keep going for yourself and for what you want in life. And so I think perseverance can often be framed as something that we just have to be. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of it's more a choice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one more question, then I'll let you get out of here. No worries. What... What is your definition of resilience? Yes, I think my definition of resilience is that you know you will be okay. And so you get up and keep going when you can and you take breaks when you need it. And you don't beat yourself up for being a human being and experiencing hard things experiencing hard things out of your control and just being the person who accepts that to have the life they want, they just have to keep going. To be the person who accepts that to have the life that you want, you just got to keep going. Yeah. That is resilience in action. Absolutely. That is awesome. Amber, thank you 
so, so very much for spending some time with us today um, and sharing your your knowledge and wisdom and just your perspective on, you know, life. Really appreciate it. So great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Resilience in Action with Erin Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I want you to remember one thing, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.